Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. My name is Brian and it's good to talk to you again. Right now we're engaged in a series that we have entitled Who We Are. And we're talking about some of the foundational things that make up our identity as followers of Jesus Christ and as people engaged in the community here at Mount Hope. Sometimes it's important to get back to the basics and talk about the things that matter most. So I hope you enjoy these talks and I hope you listen closely because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. And those of you who have been at Mount Hope for a while, you've been here for a number of years, you know what's, what's coming in the month of January, right? Uh, every January, we take the Sundays in January and we talk about the fundamentals of the life that we're living. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, there's certain fundamentals uh, that we ought to go back to regularly. It's like if you're practicing a skill, whether you're playing an instrument or you're playing a sport, there's certain things that you go back to. And no matter how uh, accomplished of a musician that you are, there's certain simple scales that you have to go back to and remind yourself of and practice over and over. No matter how accomplished of a singer you are, there's certain simple warm-up drills that you need to do before you sing. When you're a basketball player, no matter how far you go in the game of basketball, there's certain things that you still have have to practice. You still have to shoot free throws and still practice dribbling. And that's what we do in the month of January. We go back to those foundational things. And sometimes they can seem unimportant because we've talked about them before. But these are the things that if we don't get these things right, if we don't get these simple things right and we don't have them in the proper perspective, then all the complex things, all the harder things will get wrong as well. And so it's important to come back on these Sundays and talk about the foundational issues. And this year, the way that we're approaching these topics is we're doing it with this title of who we are. And over the next four weeks, we really want to take some time to define who are we, not just as people that might call ourselves followers of Jesus, but specifically in this context at Mount Hope Church in Burlington and Belmont, who are we as followers of Jesus Christ in this specific time, in this specific Context. And so we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, and I'm excited to do that with you. Now, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, maybe, maybe you did something like this too. Uh, when I was a kid, sometimes I would get an idea in my head of something that I wanted to do. And it was something like stay up extra late one night. Or something like watch TV when I should have been doing my homework. Or something like have an extra dessert when I had already had one before. I'd get an idea like that in my head. And I would, I would get to the point that I, I knew I wanted to do this. The only problem that I saw between what my child self wanted to do, maybe stay up extra late one night, and the execution of actually doing that thing was that I knew, I knew before I even asked what my parents were going to say about it. I didn't even have to, to, to have a conversation. I knew what they were going to say. And, and they were going to tell me that no matter how much of an argument that I put up or no matter how well-founded my points were, the answer was, of course, going to be no. And so I would go to them and I would say something like, uh, like this. Maybe you've used a line like this before. Uh, if I ask you something, do you promise to say yes? And they might say something to me like, depends on what you ask. And so I would put my best case together, right? I would say something like, you know, I've, I've been a good kid this week. I've done all my homework. Uh, I went to bed extra early yesterday. And so I'm just wondering if for tonight, just for one night, 
I can go to bed late. And they would look back at me and they would say, uh, no, no, we're going to bed at the normal time. Now, what does that do to your heart? What does that do to your mind when you are convinced that you want to do something and someone else comes in? It could be a parent when you're a child. It could, be, it could be you're trying to get something done and your spouse has a differing opinion. It could be your boss at work. It could be your teacher or professor in the classroom. You want to do something and you want to get something done and you're convinced that that's what you need or want to do. And some dissenting voice comes in and says, no. What does it do to you? If you're like me, it doesn't necessarily sit well when that voice comes in. Because in my mind, they have no good reason. I had the good reasons. I've been a good kid. I did all my homework. I went to bed early the night before. I've been a good employee. I've been a good student. I've been a good spouse. Whatever the case may be, why would they not agree with me on this one thing? If you're like me, it doesn't sit well. So here's what, here's what I would do as a child. Here's what I sometimes find myself doing as an adult. Maybe you do this too. When I want to do something or I think a certain thing and a dissenting voice comes in and says no or disagrees, I will try to seek out some other voice that agrees with me. So when I was a kid, I might go to one of my sisters and I would say, you want to hear what ridiculous mom and dad are? You want, to hear, you want to hear what they said to me? I've been a good kid, as you know. I've done all the right things. I've gone to bed early. I did my homework. And all I asked for, all I asked for was 15 more minutes. I just want to stay up a little bit, just a little bit more. And do you know what they said to me? They said, absolutely not. Isn't that ridiculous? And now what do I want them to say back to me? I want them to say back to me, they are ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That is totally absurd. And your boss says something to you at work, and you go to your coworker. You want to hear what the boss said to me? You want to hear what they said? All I wanted was Tuesday off. And no one else has Tuesday off. And I know that it's the time of the year that they said no vacation, but I just need Tuesday off for this good reason. My family's in town. I have this appointment. You know what he said? You know what he had the audacity to say to me? Absolutely not. Isn't that ridiculous? And what do you want your coworker to say back to you? Absolutely, that's ridiculous. And if your coworker says back to you, well, those are the rules, the rules are the rules, you'll say, well, forget them, and you go find another coworker until you find someone that agrees with you, until you find someone that's, that agrees and says, yes, you are right, they are wrong. And we get, if you're like me, and I think a lot of us are, are similar in this way, in fact, I, I would argue almost all of us probably have this in us. When we have an idea of something that we want to do and dissenting voices come in, our first reaction is to go and not, not necessarily evaluate the dissenting voice. Not necessarily say to myself, well, do my parents have a good point? Are my parents really thinking this through? Is what they're saying true and best for my life? That's not my first reaction. My first reaction is to say, that's ridiculous. And go find someone else who will affirm what I've already decided is true for my life. And I think that happens maybe when we're children, but I think it happens throughout our lives that we come up with ideas and things that we want to do. People come in and disagree with us. And rather than sit there and have the discipline to say in our lives, is what they're saying true? Is my professor right right now? Is my boss correct? Is my spouse correct? We will, we will be defensive and we'll go and try to find people that agree with us. I think that's in all of us. And then we have this choice to make. 
After we find a voice that agrees with us, now we have this choice to make. Do we do, we do what the person, uh, the other person, the dissenting voice said, or do we just ignore it or try to change it? Do we do what they said or do we just ignore it or try to change it? That's the thing that we have to do. Do I say to myself, well, I'll go in my bedroom, but I'm not falling asleep until 20 minutes after my original bedtime? Or do I do what they say? And this, this sort of challenge, this sort of problem never leaves us. And here's the thing. It, it not only happens in all sorts of different areas of life where we get pulled over by a police officer and we get a ticket and we think that's ridiculous. So then we go to our friends and we're like, you want to know what this cop did to me? They pulled me over. I didn't even do anything. They gave me a ticket. And our friends say, I know that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And we have this choice to make. We have this choice to make. Are we going to go? Are we going to fight that? Or are we just going to pay the fine that we have to pay. These things continue to happen in our lives. And they don't just happen in those sorts of situations. They happen when we open up this book. Because inevitably what happens when we come to the Bible and we come to God's word, and as Justin said, this is where we're spending our time, is talking about this book and how it impacts our lives today. When we come to this book, We have all sorts of ideas on how we want to live our lives, what we think is right, what we think is correct, what we want to get done. And what we want when we come to this book, what we want when we come to this book is we want the Bible to be an affirming voice in our life. So we want to say, God, I want to make a ton of money with my life. And then we want to open up this book and we want to read a verse that says, go and prosper. And then we close it and we make a coffee mug that says, go and prosper. And we put it on our office wall, go and prosper, whatever verse that is. And that's what we want. We want this book to be an affirming voice in our life, just like all those other people that affirm the things that we've already decided are true for us. And certainly there is a lot of affirmation in God's word. There is a ton of encouragement here that God knows the plans he has for you, that God is for you, not against you as we sang this morning. All of that is in here. But, but if you actually read this book, at some point, God is going to say something that challenges your preconceived notions. God's going to say something that, that, makes you, that tells you that you have to stop doing something that you're doing, or you need to start doing something that you're not doing. God is going to say something that if you actually did what God was saying, you would have to upend your entire life. You'd have to change the way you think about everything. You would have to end up being the crazy person that disagreed with a lot of people that lived in the world around you. And when that happens with this book, which is inevitable, by the way, if you're willing to read it and study it every day, God is going to say something that disagrees with your preconceived notion or that causes you to make a life change. When that happens, our reaction can be the same as it is in all these other places in our lives. Where we look at this and we say, that's ridiculous. Who would say that? Who would think that way? Who would ask me to live that way? And see, then we have a choice then we have a choice, don't we? Do we change it? Do we ignore it? Or do we obey it? That's the big choice. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But here's the defining characteristic, not just of those of us who call ourselves Jesus Christ, uh, followers of Jesus Christ, but those, don't call yourself Jesus Christ, those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, or those of us who are a part of this body, of this church. Here's the defining characteristic of us. 
okay? When it comes to this book, when it comes to this book, and if you have your communication card, we did something a little bit different. There's little blanks on the backside you can fill out if you like to do that. When it comes to this book, we don't change the Bible to fit our lives. We change our lives to fit the Bible. And that's a huge point. That's an important point. Because that's not how most people around us live. Most people don't want to deal with a dissenting opinion. When you come at this crossroads where I have what I believe is right and what I want to do, and this book says something different, what do you do in that moment? Here's the defining characteristic for us. We don't change the Bible to fit our lives. We change our lives to fit the Bible. The big question is why? Why would we do that? And that's the question that people have for you, isn't it? When you change your life to fit this book that was written thousands of years ago, that's the big question that people, people outside the room have for you. Why in the world would you do that? Why would you be foolish enough to take your life and rather than live the way that everyone else around us is living, why would you do what this ancient book or what God says to do? I think there's a good answer for that in a story in the Old Testament. And it's the story of a king named Ahab. It's really just one of the stories about the life of King Ahab. And we're going to look at that here in 1 Kings chapter 22 in just a moment. But here's, here's the, the story of Ahab. I don't have time to go into all that, uh, that Ahab did. But Ahab, about 1,000 years, 900 years before Jesus was born, so it was like 900 B.C., Ahab was king over Israel. Now, you may be familiar with God's people and the nation of Israel. At this point, Israel was split into two kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom that was ruled by a king, and there was a southern kingdom called Judah that was, ridden, that was ruled by a different king. And so Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom of called Israel. And here's the deal with Ahab. Ahab and his wife Jezebel, uh, they really didn't care what God said about anything. In fact, there's story after story in the Old Testament of Ahab and Jezebel ignoring God's word. But there's this one specific story that I think for us, as we think about this idea of what do we do when God says something that we don't like or we disagree with or we can't understand how it fits into our plans, what do we do in that moment? There's one story in the life of Ahab that I think is especially instructive to us. See, here's what happened. Uh, one of Ahab's enemies uh, at the time was uh, the Syrians or the nation of Syria. And the Syrians controlled this little piece of land called Ramoth-Gilead. And to make a long story short, Ahab wanted it. He wanted to go take it back. They had it, and he wanted it. And so uh, he called up or direct messaged the king down there in Judah, Jehoshaphat. And he said, here's the deal, uh, Jehoshaphat. I'm going to attack the Syrians, and I'm going to take back Ramoth-Gilead. And I just want to know, will you help me? Will you help me do it? And here's what happened. Looks in verse 5 there. If you have your Bible open, uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 5. And Jehoshaphat, so that's the southern king that Ahab is asking if he'll help him, said to the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Inquire first for the word of the Lord. This is what he says in verse 5. So Je Jehoshaphat says, listen, uh, and I don't, I don't have this verse up on the screen, but Jehoshaphat says, listen, uh, I'll go with you, but let's see what God has to say. 
Let's see what God has to say. So then the king of Israel, that's Ahab, gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? Now these 400 prophets, here's what they knew about Ahab. Ahab was not a nice guy. Ahab did not deal with dissenting opinions well. Maybe you've worked for someone like this before, where they come to you and they say, what do you, I think we should do this. What do you think? And you know that you should just say back to them whatever they just said. So I think we should open this division in our company. What do you think? Oh, boss, yes, that's the best idea you've ever had. Because if you say, I am against that, you know that the consequences are not going to be fun. Well, that's Ahab. So the 400 prophets, they come up to Ahab and they know with Ahab's track record, if they come before him and they say, don't do it, Ahab will probably kill them or put them in prison. And so what do they say? The 400 prophets come to Ahab and, they, and he asked them, shall I refrain or shall I go? And they said, go up for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Do it. 400 yes men all saying to the king, you should do what you want to do. Just let me go home to my family. Now, Jehoshaphat, the southern king, he sees everything that's going on. Look at him in verse 7. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here another prophet of the Lord whom we may inquire? Jehoshaphat's looking at this whole charade, and he's like, you got 400 people here, and I can see that they're just saying what you want them to say. Uh, So is there anyone else that we could talk to that might actually tell us what God wants us to do? And the king of Israel, look at this verse. This is the verse that I have up on the screen. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is... Yet one man of whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him. I hate him. Do you know why I hate him? That's what he says. Look what he says. He never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. There's one prophet we can talk to, and he always says what God says. But here's the thing. I hate that guy. I don't want to hear from that guy. Because he always says the opposite of what I want to do. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. So the king goes and he summons this prophet, uh, Micaiah. And the prophet comes to the king. And the king says, what should I do? Should I go into battle against Ramoth Gilead or should I refrain? And the prophet knows what Ahab wants to hear. And so he almost sarcastically says to him, and you read the story there in chapter 22. Yeah, go do it. And Ahab knows he's just putting him on. So he says, no, tell me. Tell me, should I do this or should I not? And the prophet says back to the king, I saw a vision of your people, the people of Israel, scattered on a mountainside as sheep sheep with no shepherd. And God said to me, let the people go home in peace. And with those words, Ahab knew exactly what the prophet was saying. The prophet was saying, don't go into battle. You're not going to win. God is not behind you on this. So what does Ahab do with the dissenting voice? He puts him in prison with instructions to give him meager rations of food, and he decides to go into battle anyway. But he's so worried that Micaiah is correct that rather than wear his kingly garments, he disguises himself as a common soldier. And he goes into battle, and the Syrians are looking. They're looking for the Israel king to kill him in battle. And even though he's disguised, the Bible says that a random arrow from a Syrian bow finds its way through the crowd and strikes King Ahab right between his pieces of armor. And right there in his chariot, he dies. 
Now, the question that I think we need to ask ourselves is when it comes to God's word and those places in our lives where we want to do one thing and we understand what we want to do and God says to do something else, what do we do in those moments? We live in a world that more than ever before believes that it's our job to chart our own destiny and to do what we want to do. And we live in a world that increasingly, right, is just surrounding itself with affirmative voices. So if I think one thing on an issue, all I want to hear from are from the people that agree with me. And if I think another way on an issue, all I want to hear from on Facebook and Instagram and on the news that I watch is people who think the way that I think and people who agree with me. And the last thing that we want to hear is a dissenting voice that might want to change our heart or change our mind on what we think and believe. And that's exactly the way Ahab was And it cost him his life. See, here's the thing with what Micaiah said to Ahab. Ahab did not want it to be true. He didn't want it to be true. But it was still true. And Ahab wasn't willing to sit down and evaluate, is what the prophet is saying to me true? Is it true? Is it right? All he wanted was for someone to come alongside him and say, yeah, go do what you want, king. Go do what you want. And I think that we live in a world, we live in a world that is largely rejecting this book as ancient and irrelevant, not because it's not true, not because it's not true, but because there are places within the pages that it says things that we don't want to be true. And so rather than take our time to evaluate and ask ourselves, is it true? Is God offering us life that is better than we could create ourselves? Is what God is saying about who he is and who we are true? Rather than evaluating that, we reject it because we don't want any dissenting voices in our lives. We want to do what we want to do. And if anyone tells us we can't, we get rid of that voice or we ignore it. And at the end of the day, there's really three options that we have when it comes to this book. And it comes to those moments where we want to do something and God says no. Or we think some behavior, we think something is right and God says it's not. There's three options that we have. And in those moments, we can either ignore it, which is what a lot of people in our world do. We can try and change it which is what a growing number of churches who call themselves Christian churches are doing, reinterpreting, changing what God says to fit what we want it to say. Or we can obey it. Or we can obey it. The question is, why would we obey it? Why would we do that? Why would we take this this ancient text where it says something that we don't necessarily agree with or challenges us to live a different way or think a different way, why would we do it? Why would we obey it? Why wouldn't we ignore it? Why wouldn't we change it? And quite simply, the answer there 
It's because our lives are on the line. Just like it was for Ahab, Ahab ignored the word that was true because he didn't want to hear it and it cost him his life. The same thing is at stake for you and me. The God who created life, the God who made us, is telling us what we need to do or what is required for us to receive not only the great life that he has planned for us here, but life that is eternal. And if we ignore what God is saying, just because sometimes he says things that we don't agree with or don't affirm the things we already want to do or the things that we already believe, we are putting ourselves in danger of missing out on life, not just in the here and now, but a life in eternity with him. And I'm not trying to make it sound something bigger than it is. I really believe that's what's at stake, is our very lives themselves. And I think that God has proven over and over again that if we are willing to do what he asks us to do, even if we don't fully understand it at the time, or we can't comprehend why, if we live in this world that thinks so different that we should do what God calls us to do, God has proved over and over again that at the end of the day, his word is true, and his word offers life. This book is filled with stories of people who didn't understand why God was calling them to do what he was calling them to do. Noah was building a boat with no rain. Abraham was going to a land that he had never heard of or seen before. Moses was walking back into Egypt with no idea what was going to happen. This book is filled with stories of people who were willing to do what God asked them to do, even though they didn't understand it, and even though sometimes they didn't agree with it. Because they trusted and they knew that God offered life. In uh, 2002, I graduated uh, undergraduate, uh, the college that I went to, and I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Like many people that get to the end of their college time, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I ended up at the very end of my senior year. My friend called me, and he was a pastor, a, a middle school youth pastor at a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, or just outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan, a little town called Wyoming, Michigan. And he said to me, our senior high youth pastor just quit. It was a big church, about three or 4,000 people, big enough that they had a full-time middle school youth pastor, a full-time high school youth pastor. He said, our full-time, our high school youth pastor just quit. And I told the pastors and I told the board uh, that you would make a great interim. So you can come this summer if you would like, and you can be the youth pastor uh, at this church. And I said, all right, sounds great. I had no other plans for the summer. And I was waiting uh, to come to Gordon-Conwell here up on the North Shore in Massachusetts in the fall for seminary. And so I went to Michigan that summer, and quite simply, um, had one of uh, the most amazing experiences in ministry that I've had through those uh, three months. It was this amazing church. It was a a very large church of three or 4,000 people. The high school youth group had 150 kids in it, and we went to Mexico twice. Uh, We went to all sorts of places that summer, and it was a great summer. 
At the end of the summer, the pastoral staff came to me and they said to me, we think you've been doing a great job. So here's the deal. We want to hire you as our full-time youth pastor and, and you can go to seminary down the street. It was 20 minutes down the road in Holland, Michigan. Well, you go to seminary down the street and we'll pay for it. So we'll give you the full-time job as youth pastor and then we'll pay you for that. And then you can go to seminary, which is three full years of school, kind of like law school, but you have even less respect uh, than a lawyer afterwards. Uh, We'll we'll pay you to be the youth pastor here, and then then, uh, we'll pay for your school. Now, I was coming out to Gordon-Conwell here in Boston, where I knew exactly zero people. And the only way I was going to pay for school uh, was to take out loans, more loans than I already had from, from my undergraduate uh, time. And so I said, this is great. And I went before God and I had something happen in my life that I had never happened to me before. And I don't know that it's ever happened to me this clearly since then. I went to God and I went into times of prayer and I went to God's word. I'm telling you everywhere I looked, I said, this is going to be great. A seminary is paid for. I'm going to have a job. There's 150 kids in this youth group and I'm going to get paid to do that job. And every time I opened up this book and every time I prayed, God said, no. And I would go and I would say, God, you don't understand. You don't understand. Because I have debt, and they're telling me that they, can, they will pay me to be on staff at the church, and then also they're not, I won't have to take out any more debt. That's, that's the deal, and it's a great church filled with great people, and, and the youth group is huge, and I'll have all this fun and do all these things. It'll be a great deal, and then I would open up the book, and God would say no. And I don't know, I don't know what it was. I just, I, I, I felt I was super spiritual at that point, And I just said, okay, God, okay. I have no idea how this is going to work out. I don't know. I'm going to pay for it. I don't know anybody where I'm going. But if you tell me I'm not supposed to do this, I won't do it. So I went to them and I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to head out to the East Coast and they said, what? <laughs> so yeah, I'm going I'm to go to Massachusetts. And they said, well, why? Why would you do that? Where are you going to work? I don't know. How are you going to pay for school? I don't know. You know those people that live out there, they're cold and they're mean and they don't want you. I'm like, I know. I know. But I'm going to go anyway. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I came in and I was just paired up randomly with roommates. Paired up randomly with people that lived on my, on my floor. And one of my roommates, one of my roommates was a, a kid by the name of Matt. And a couple months into being at school, he said to me, he said, listen, I'm leading this college group at this church in Burlington, and I don't have anyone to like play the guitar. We just come and play the guitar and lead music for our college group. And I said, sure. And I walked through the doors of Mount Hope in Burlington in October of 2002. And then this guy that lived down the hall from me uh, in seminary, he said to me, he said, uh, he said uh, you want to come back to my house? I live in Woburn. 
you know, it's a long weekend or whatever it was. You come down to my house. Uh, my mom's Italian, so I make a ton of food, and you can just hang out at my house. And I said, okay. And then other people were at his house, and one of the people that was at his house was his first cousin, uh, whose name is Lori, who I'm married to today. Now, what if I say to God the summer of 2002? It doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to make money. I'm going to have school paid for. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't know what would have happened, but I do know what happened in that church over the next year. They had co-senior pastors. Both of them left in a giant dispute. My friend who was the middle school youth pastor had to leave and go find a new job within months of me coming to Massachusetts. See, when it comes to God's word, here's, here's what we do. We read it. We seek to understand it by listening to his Holy Spirit, by studying it, by finding good counsel, and then we obey it because God's the creator of life. He's in charge of life. Let me tell you, your life is at stake. And you want to end up somewhere that you have no idea how you ended up there, but it is, it is such a blessing. Like maybe you end up preaching on a stage in Belmont, Massachusetts. You have no idea how you got there. But you're so glad that you're there. Then you take those places where God says something and you don't understand it. Trust him at his word. This is who we are. It's what it means to be here. And you don't even have to believe me or buy into this fully, but you just need to know this about us. Even if you're not 100% sure this is true or anything that I said is true, I still want you to come here. I still want you to be a part of worship here. But you need to know this about us at Mount Hope as followers of Jesus. We're not going to take this book and change it, ignore it, to make it fit what we already believe is true. Because God is the author of life, because God offers us true life, because God can do more with our lives than we could ever possibly do on our own, we are going to take this book and then we are going to fit, adjust our lives to fit what God has said. I'm going to invite our worship team back as we close this morning. Just invite you, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes. Just to ask you this morning, are there places in your life as we begin a new year where God has said something to you and maybe he said it over and over and over again in your life? That he wants you to do something, that he wants you to stop something, that he wants you to think a different way, that he wants you to trust him, and you have said back to him over and over and over, God, no, I don't understand it. I don't know why you say that. And so I'm not going to do it. I want to challenge you today to make this year a year where you study God's word. You can use those things that Justin talked about earlier, but make this a year where you open God's word daily. Make this a year where you seek to understand God's word. And make this a year where you do it. want to know what God says and you want to hear his voice, there is no better place to go than the Bible.
you want to know what God wants you to do, you have to read his word. If you want to understand more who you are and why you exist and what your purpose is, you have to open up what God has said and read it for yourself. Would you do that this year? God, I pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit, not only not only to read your word, but also be changed by it. Not only to open up this book and hear what you have to say, but to allow our lives to be radically transformed by what you have to say. We trust you. That you have the words of life and you know what's best. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at M-T Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.